Walking in sunlight All of my journey Over the mountain Through the deep air Jesus has set out Never forsake me Promise divine that Never can fail Heavenly sunlight Heavenly sunlight Flooding my soul with Glory divine Hallelujah I am rejoicing Singing His praises Jesus is mine Shadows Shadows above me never conceal my Savior and guide. He is the light, and Him is no darkness. Ever I'm walking close to His side, heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight. Flooding my soul with glory divine Hallelujah I am rejoicing Singing His praises Jesus is mine In the bright sunlight Ever rejoicing Pressing my way to mansions above, singing His praises, gladly I'm walking, walking in sunlight, the sunlight of love, heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding said I'll never forsake you that's a divine promise that never can fail isn't it <clears throat> praise God all right return with me at least to begin with to Romans chapter 7 where we had brother Gene come up and read for us so we've recently as each of you know you've been here we taught on Noah's ark some and We talked about what Noah went through as he built the ark, yet he stuck with God's plan and he obeyed God and he and all of his house, if you will, his family were saved from God's righteous judgment against sin on the earth. God destroyed everything, didn't he? Except for them. We went from there and we began to look at our lives and how we too should rejoice 
and stick with God's plan through whatever we go through, the, the discomfort, the sickness, the pain that we go through, yet we still rejoice. I thought of something this morning that happened when I was a little kid, maybe six or seven, but uh, Stanley Owen, my sister's father-in-law later on in life, but they lived here, and they were packing up to go back to Missouri, and he and my dad loaded a freezer onto a moving van, and they were steadily packing stuff behind it and on top of the freezer and all that, and all of a sudden, it caught fire, and smoke was billowing out of the back of that moving van. And my dad was snatching stuff off of there trying to get to it. And he had to move Brother Stanley out of the way because Brother Stanley was standing there going, Praise God! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! And Daddy's like, Move! The thing's burning down. But he was praising God in the middle of some pretty heavy times. All his stuff was about to burn all up and he was standing back praising the Lord. And he was like that. I knew him my entire life. Uh, he was a, a preacher of the truth. And he stood firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I, I always thought that was strange that he didn't care about his stuff enough to stand in the way of somebody trying to save his stuff. But I'll never forget that. He just stood back saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's what we should be doing through whatever we go through. We have uh, been looking at, uh, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That was in First Peter in the first chapter. We looked at that in... When need be, if need be, brother. And we realize that as we think about our lives, our daily lives, and what we go through, and the pain, and the sickness, the separation, all the things, the anxieties, the worry, we realize that if it was up to us, there would be no need for that. But praise God, it's not up to us. Because God uses this heaviness in our life, if you will, these trials to bring us back, most of us, to once to something that we once knew, and that is that God knows best. Amen. He knows what we need. Even if we don't want it. Even if we don't desire it in life. Yet, He knows exactly what we need. We talked a little bit about Job and what Job went through. I'm sure Job wasn't happy covered in boils. He was obviously very distraught and sad that he lost his children. And all of them just like that. We know that Job didn't see the need for all of that. He already trusted God. He already believed in God and went by His Word in his life. 
But God saw the need to allow Satan to tempt him. And what was all this to do? It was to prove Job, wasn't it? It was to show that the faith that Job had in God wasn't something that he conjured up within himself. Because it wouldn't have stood, would it? No, he would have listened to his wife, wouldn't he have? Yeah, he would have cursed God and died. But that faith that he had, that trust, that rejoicing, even through terrible and hard heaviness in life, it is something that along with our salvation is a gift from God to be able to do that. It's not a natural thing, is it? No, it's not. It's not a natural thing to rejoice through heaviness. But when we realize that God is in control and that all things work together for our good, and who's working all things? It's Him once again, isn't it? Absolutely. All right. I think we caught that rabbit. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. We just heard it read. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now Paul here is going to talk about his life. He's going to talk about the struggle that he's in. And he's talking about the struggle that you're in. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. What does that mean? That means that he was born on this earth after Adam. Sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not for what I would. This is verse 15. That do I not, but what I hate, that I do. This is the natural man and the spiritual man in comparison in our daily walk in life. He is explaining it in a way that we can understand. People don't want to hear the truth of God's Word. You want to know why? Because it hurts. It hurts, doesn't it? None of us like to uh, have said to us, you're wrong. None of us like to have... Uh, said to us, you're bad, you're sinful, you're not worthy. We don't like to hear that, do we? Absolutely not, because it hurts. It cuts into our self-esteem, doesn't it? But it's the truth. Amen. And it matters that we stick with the truth. Man's ideas of life change, don't they? They do. Man is very changeable, but not God, and not His Word, and not His instructions for us to live by. They don't change. He's perfect. What Paul taught is for us today. So he explaining, he's explaining what he's going through as he lives for Jesus, and the persecution that he feels, he's feeling it. He's explaining it to us, what he feels as he's going through this. Remember him now. This used to be Saul. 
he was pretty high up in the religious world, wasn't he? But praise God, a blinding light came to him, didn't it? The Lord Himself. Saul didn't recognize Him, but he called Him Lord, didn't he? Because he knew that whatever this was, it wasn't of the earth. It wasn't anything that he had ever experienced or seen or even felt. Oh, but God had a big use for him in the world of the Gentiles, didn't he? And he's using him today for us. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, I see myself doing. I still see myself saying words that I wouldn't say. I wouldn't want myself to say. I certainly wouldn't want anybody to hear me say it. Thinking things that I don't want to think. Certainly want anybody to know that I thought that thought. Yet I see it happening. Verse 16 says, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. You're a new creature. Saved by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. But sin still dwells within this body. But we need to recognize the fact that that's not the new me. That's not the spiritual man that God has quickened and made alive within me. No, that's sin that still dwells within me because of the existence of the old man is still here. Paul's explaining that it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Verse 18 says, For I know that in me, in my natural person, and that is in my flesh, is what he's saying, dwelleth some pretty good things, some fairly good things, no good thing. Nothing spiritually good in your natural being. Why else would you have to be born again? That's why. Because the good that's in you this morning was placed there by a sovereign, holy, and righteous God that's loved you from before the foundation of the earth. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, I got good intentions. I want to please God. I want to glorify Him. I want to win souls for Him, if it's such a thing. But how to perform that which is good, 
I find not. Not within myself. How to perform good is found elsewhere. It's found in the Lord and in seeking Him. All right. For the good that I would do not, verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not. Got me too, Brother Gene. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Can you relate? Paul wasn't a lot different from you, was he? Now he was a natural man living a spiritual life. Verse 20 says, Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, or a principle. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. That law, it's like a principle. It's like a set thing that's going to happen in response to a previous thing. I find then a law or a principle that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Where is that evil coming from? Well, it's coming from more than one location. For one, it still exists in that natural man that's within you. Secondly, the enemy is always present, especially when he sees you doing good. Especially then. He attacks us at our weakest points, doesn't he? He does. After the Lord was baptized, he went up into the mountain and he was tempted, wasn't he? How long did he go without eating? A long time. That would have been at his weakest, physically, his weakest point, wouldn't it? Fasted. I can't imagine not eating for 40 days. But Satan came to him and offered him bread, didn't he? Tempted him, said, you could, you could turn these rocks into bread. He took him to a high, to a high place and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Now, I've been tempted to think that uh, they were looking into the future. I don't know if that's true or not. All the great things to a person uh, in that day, if they were looking into the future, of course, he was dealing with God. God wasn't subject to time. He's from eternity. He sees the future already, didn't he? My point is that Satan attacks us at our weakest point, and he knows what our weaknesses are. But praise God, so does the Lord. And he strengthens us through that time. All right, verse 21. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the new creature. The 
the Spirit of God witnesses with our spirit that we are new creatures. And one of the ways is, in the inward man, we delight in the law of God, in His precepts, in His counsels, in His teachings. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, my body, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. O wretched man that I am. There are times when that's me. I feel that. But then he asked this wonderful question, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death or the body of this separation? And then he answers it by saying, I thank God through Jesus Christ. How do we approach God in any uh, form? Through Jesus Christ, isn't it? Absolutely. He's our access. God sees us through Him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And I love this first part of chapter 8. We're in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore... Since this is true, yes, O wretched man that I am, but I thank God through Christ our Lord that I'm able to serve the law of God with my mind. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. How are we in Christ Jesus? We trust in Him. We believe in Him. He is the basis of this spiritual life. He's purchased us for it, it for us, hasn't He? Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Walk after the Spirit. Are we able to walk in God's way without the Spirit? No. How did you obtain eternal life? God quickened you by His Spirit. That's how. He put His Spirit within you. Now, after the Spirit, you're able to walk in God's way. You see where our strength comes from? Even our initiative, even our desire for Him, it comes from Him. The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the author of this faith I have in Him. And He's the finisher of this faith I have in Him. What a complete Savior He is. What a wonderful God we serve. Romans 8 and verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's our perspective as we walk every day 
in this life for Jesus Christ. That's how we need to look at this battle that we're in. For the law of the Spirit of life, again, a principle. This law is a principle. You gain spiritual life when God quickens your heart. The Bible tells us that. When we look at that word, quicken, we realize it means He made you alive where you were separated. He's joined you to God. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, is not found anywhere else. There's no access to God but by Him. He Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by Me. For the law, the principle of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from this principle of sin and death. Though this principle of this law of sin and death still exists within me because I'm in this body of flesh, I've been made free from it. It won't dominate me again. Because Jesus Christ has paid the price for my freedom from this body of death. Oh, praise God. He is gone to prepare a new body for you and a new dwelling place. And that's going to be like unto His body. We're told that when He comes for us and we see Him, we're going to recognize Him. Because we're going to be like Him. We're not going to have this enmity anymore. We're not going to have this sinful desire anymore. We're not going to have this battle anymore. The battle will be over. It's already won. Jesus has already paid the price that the Creator of all people and all things required. He's already paid the price for your sin. You are bought and paid for and secured. You're secured in Him. He's a wonderful Savior, isn't He? Mm -hmm. Verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Was the law weak? Well, the flesh couldn't keep it. So the law was weak through the flesh because the flesh couldn't keep the law. Inability to. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son. What did Abraham tell Isaac when Isaac said, Where is the lamb? He said, Son, God will provide Himself a lamb. And that's exactly what He did. He provided Himself in the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ as a sacrificial lamb to pay the price that you could not pay for your sin. What For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, no one could keep the law. Only one did. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, yet not sinful, He was impeccable he was perfect, condemned sin in the flesh. 
So you're freed from yourself if you look at it that way. Your new self is freed from your old self. Why? Verse 4 tells us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. How is the righteousness fulfilled in us? Because it's imputed to us. It's His righteousness. He kept the law. I didn't. You didn't. But He did. It's His righteousness that's imputed to us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We looked at this earlier and I said after the Spirit which means the Spirit came first and then we were able to walk in His way spiritually. We can look at it another way too. When I was a kid I would run in the house and I'd tell Mama something was after me. Well, we need to be after the Holy Spirit, don't we? We need to be after Jesus Christ and after His way seeking Him. Sprinting toward Him, Brother Chuck. Running to Him. Oh, and praise God, no matter what we go through, we can rejoice in Him. He is our Savior. And what a Savior He is. All right.